0: Hello, and welcome to Wands and Fronds, the weekly podcast where we cover magic, houseplants, and more. I'm Nick.
1: And I'm Shannon.
0: And this week, I will be telling you lovely people all about magic for luck.
1: Ooh, and I'm going to be talking about one of my very favorite summer herbs, basil, plus a really fun deity profile on the Greek goddess Tyche.
0: Oh, okay. So we're having a bit of a competition moment because... I am talking about Fortuna a lot in my section. So kind of <laughs> uh, the battle of the ladies' luck, so to the speak. The battle
1: of the ladies' luck for sure. And I'm interested to hear what team other people are on, because I know which team I'm clearly on. I I think of the
0: two. I, I think I think we all know where, where you're gonna be standing on this, but <laughs> but no, so this this was actually a really fun one. Uh, so Kind of diving in for luck magic, I think one of the interesting things I thought was here, a lot of people already have a lot of things that are going to come to mind. So, like four leaf clovers, uh, horseshoes, and like Japanese luck cats were some of the top hits on Google for lucky things. Uh, I think a lot of people are also thinking of like their personal luck rituals. Uh, You know, so you're thinking like lucky socks, lucky underwear throwing a coin in a wishing well, you know, there's, there's pretty much a statue in every city that's supposedly lucky if you rub some part of it.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, you know, like they've got the the dog in Shinjuku, uh, Harajuku or wherever, uh, in Tokyo. And it's like, you know, it's, it's turned that weird patina from getting rubbed. Do you know, do you know about that statue actually?
1: I don't.
0: So supposedly, all right, get out the tissues people. Supposedly, oh, no. <laughs> the statue is of a very good to honor a very good dog whose owner passed away tragically and the dog would come to the same spot every day waiting for them. So it's like that episode of Futurama where the dog is like waiting outside the pizzeria for years and years and years. Um Oh
1: my god. I'm like, I am not in a place today to be dealing with this.
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry. <laughs> but uh, but no, so, you know, but it's like, there's something like that in almost every city, like some kind of lucky statue that people are like really into. Um, but I, I think there's also a lot of superstitions that give you bad luck that people are already going to yeah. be familiar with. So like. Not crossing paths with black cats, which we both have black cats now. So I think we're going to have bad luck forever because that (laughs) bitch crosses my path about 20 times a night on the way to the food bowl. Hexus
1: is doing his best to give me the bad luck because he's just a fucking dickhead and I love it, but he's a dickhead.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, So though another popular one is like not walking under ladders, which I think is one of those things where it's like, It's just a good practice to not be under a ladder because you don't want to knock someone off of the ladder. Yeah, yeah. uh, Also, opening an umbrella inside. That's one. And that's one that's actually in my family. Oh, yeah, me
1: too. My
0: mom would never let us open an umbrella inside.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, NaNo was very much the same way. It took until I was, like, in college until I had ever actually, like, opened an umbrella indoors.
0: And then breaking mirrors. Yep. So I think with this one, it, it kind of goes back to when mirrors were magical uh, and people believed that the reflection was not just a reflection of your body, but also a reflection of your soul. And so whoever broke the mirror breaks their soul. Okay, but the Romans believed that your life regenerates every seven years, which actually, supposedly, that's the longest turnover for a cell that your body has. So they're not wrong. But they, I mean, they couldn't possibly have known that. But, uh, but yeah, so the luck sticks around for seven years until... Your body is completely regenerated, supposedly. Um, but, you know, the one with breaking mirrors, there's so many things out there with breaking mirrors that you're supposed to do with the mirror after you break it. And that was one of the interesting things that I saw during the research was that, like, if you put it in a, under moving water, like a stream or a creek, supposedly that washes the bad luck away. But I'm like, okay, many QWP time... Do not throw broken shards of mirror in a creek where some poor animal or person might step on it. Because uh, that just sounds like a bad time. Um, you know, just don't th- throw it away. Don't, the creek does not need broken mirror pieces in it. Whew. I'm going to stop. You know what? I'm just not going to talk about it anymore. Because I'm like, that is just, <laughs> it's just such a terrible idea. It's, just, yeah, it's no, just
1: for so many reasons. Just
0: such a terrible thing to tell people to do. But I, I think one of the interesting things though is that luck is a culturally ubiquitous idea. Every culture has some version of luck and some mythology surrounding luck. Um I think, you know, one of the some of the ones that people might not be more familiar with is like in Japan, putting your chopsticks straight up out of the bowl is considered bad luck because that's how they would serve um like a food offering to a dead person and they also have a thing with the number four being unlucky so in in western culture the number 13 is unlucky which the, you know they say a lot of different reasons for that like the 13th person sitting down at a dinner party the first person to get up will die you know they have that Harry whole Harry Potter fan theory about that Christmas dinner um No, number four in Japan, Korea, and China, because the word for the number four sounds like the word for death. And so a lot of buildings will not have a fourth floor. It'll just skip straight from three to five. And like a lot of hotels will not have like a room four or like a room 44 or even a 14. They just really do not like the number four.
1: Yeah, the the whole numbers and like floors thing is really interesting because here in LA, a lot of buildings don't have 13th floors for a very similar superstitious reason. I think it's a Chinese superstition, if I'm remembering correctly, about the number 13. Because in my building, for example, I'm technically on the 14th floor, but it's because it goes 11,
0: 12, 14, 15. Right. Right right. so it's like they're not counting it as 13, but it's on the 13th floor.
1: Yeah, exactly it's so weird but yeah, common more common than you would think more
0: common than you would think. but no uh you know it's like kind of looking into it one of the interesting things I thought was all of the all of the weird luck tradition. so this is kind of where I reach out to the listeners and I'm like, I want to know what y'all's like quirky regional luck things are um and if you know there's like variations you know cuz it's like the throwing salt over your shoulder if you spill pepper on the table uh, spinning around 3 times counterclockwise supposedly confuses the bad luck you know people have all their things for good and bad luck and i i would love to like hear some from people because i it's like the umbrella thing the ladder thing pretty standard I mean-
1: there's also the knocking on wood thing Mm, to not mm -hmm. jinx yourself yeah there's so many
0: cool ones also supposedly seeing your doppelganger is really bad luck oh
1: yeah yeah like you're dead for realsies if you see your doppelganger
0: yeah like you're gonna die so if you see your doppelganger run um or don't i mean you know Maybe you want to die. I don't know. I don't know your life. Maybe you're...
1: I mean, sometimes you have a day where you're like, maybe I could just embrace the sweet, sweet release of a of a fated death.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. But, uh, you know, but we're... But so this section, though, is about attracting good luck into your life the witchy way. So I thought a good place to kind of dig in and actually look at some, you know, witchcraft of it all is kind of like turning to the say the luck of the Irish. So very ambiguous as to where that saying comes from. They think it has to do with gold prospectors during the California gold rush. A lot of them were Irish people because they were the less settled people of the immigrants coming in. You know, it's like the, the richer English people in the, the colonies were like settled in, you know. But the Irish were kind of new on the scene, not very well liked. It was very appealing to them to go prospect for gold. And, uh, you know, since a lot of them were Irish, they talked about the luck of the Irish playing into the fact that they found all this gold, not the fact that the gold was just there. Uh, surely it must be because they're Irish, right? And, uh, it, but, you know, I think we both have, you more, much more so than I, like actual Irish heritage. So, um, but, you know, the Celts invented one of the most popular luck charms that among modern neo-pagans, which is the the Celtic luck knot. And I have kind of looked through some of y'all's Instagrams, some of y'all that listen to the podcast, and I have seen some of y'all wearing Celtic luck knots. So it's kind of one of those, like, once you recognize the symbol, you see a lot of witches wearing it. And for those who don't know, the Celtic luck knot In its most minimal form, because they do have like the really complicated ones, but like the most minimal form is like the, it's like a four pointed triketra. So you have the circle, you've got the little swoops that come out in a point, but instead of having three, it's four, which is, you know, kind of like a four leaf clover, which is also the, you know, the luckiness of that originates in Irish mythology as well. Um... But I think, you know, like one of the easiest things to do if, if you're wanting to attract some luck into your life is to buy a, a luck knot pendant. They sell them at like every witchcraft store. Again, pretty ubiquitous. And it's not like a big old pentagram too. So if you're kind of in the, the broom closet, so to speak, you know, it's not a big giant pentagram or like a Baphomet or something that's, you know, just a nice little piece of jewelry. Uh, and you can also get a little bracelet, draw it on things to attract good luck. I, I kind of like that idea because, you know, like the process of drawing it and like getting the shape right really puts a lot of energy into the whole experience.
1: Wait, Nick, you're saying that you are suggesting mm-hmm. that someone write something down.
0: Yeah, I know. I know. Breaking I'm... news.
1: I'm just teasing. I'm teasing. No, I also think it's a great idea. I just have to give you a hard time.
0: <laughs> no, I but I, I do I do like uh I, I I feel like there's so much power in that. And you know it's because for...
1: you're an artsy bitch and there's nothing wrong with that. No,
0: no, not at all. <laughs>
1: uh,
0: but I think also, you know, like making a luck knot pendant would not be very hard, uh, especially with, you know, some some basic like wire wrapping tools. Because the shape is not the most complicated. I mean, I think you you could figure it out after a few tries. I would personally just buy one because I am not good at making things. But I know some of our listeners are. And
1: well, to... I've also seen people do, um, like, bread knots as a nod to it that I think oh, is really yeah. cool for kitchen witches. Like, if you're into, like, braiding challah and stuff, like, oh, there's so yeah. many, like bread related knots that you can do for luck magic which you know
0: oh yeah (laughs) i mean yeah it's like i didn't even think about because you always see those like beautiful braided breads for like sabbath feasts too so you could throw a little luck knot shape in there i think you could also like score a simple luck knot shape into a sourdough if that's what you're feeling 100%
1: I think anything you can do to like simplify it for yourself if you're not the type of person that wants to get into intricately braiding hala, definitely I think a a nice little like straight edge razor works wonders if you're trying to score shit into your bread because I use it all the time for like runes too and I didn't buy one of those like fancy scoring knives I literally just have like a pack of straight edge that Eric had from some like film project they did and I have like a few of those that I just keep in the kitchen just for food use.
0: Love that. And I feel like that's very dramatic.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah. No, I definitely feel like I need to be wearing like a flowing robe and like carrying a glass of red wine as I'm scoring my bread with my razor blade.
0: Oh, my God. It's like that. It's like that scene in Goodfellas where they're like cutting the garlic. (laughs) <laughs> with with the exactly. razor blade uh, but also I, love- I was thinking you know since we grew up as like emo kids like I don't know why the image comes to mind of like if this bread doesn't rise I'm gonna cut myself you know it's
1: because we grew up in the odds <laughs> as emo kids <laughs> uh,
0: but no uh, but I kind of jumping back on track jumping back on track a little bit I think to anyone out there that's like interested in making like luck pendant jewelry featuring like a celtic luck knot tiger's eye would be good here because in all of my searchings for luck related witchery tiger's eye did come up again and again y'all know I'm not a crystal guy but if you're a if you're a crystal queen tiger's eye is going to be your luck stone
1: yeah i have a um i have a prosperity bowl full of crystals in my house and like the vast majority of it is pieces of tiger's eye and then there's also pyrite in there which I think can be a good compliment but yeah tiger's eye I feel like is the go-to like fortune crystal
0: yeah and I also think like green stones kind of have that lucky vibe you know talking about like clovers and four-leaf clovers and stuff the color green really feels like a very abundant color so if you're thinking like luck and abundance being interrelated which they are Uh, you know, like the green, green stones, like moss, agate, jade, jade. Yeah, I was about to
1: say, jade is a big one because, like, jade is also in my prosperity bowl, but you also see it a lot of times in, like, jade statues and, like, feng shui. Mm -hmm. So it's, like, got that protective, like, lucky charm energy about it for sure.
0: And, like, we didn't even talk about in this one how one of the main points of feng shui is, oh, I guess I'm doing it now. How about that? is look at you go is to attract good fortune into your home now i would say this is kind of one of those things where it's like appropriation versus appreciation like an actual fung- feng shui room does not have to be asian themed it's all about like the direction your furniture is facing where you've put mirrors and things like you don't
1: ring in the bell for you there nick like it doesn't all have to be fucking lucky cats and like jade sculptures like that's not feng shui that's
0: not what feng shui is uh feng shui is actually really cool and it's a very technical thing there's very long complicated books about it and it's not it's not uh it at the end of the day, your room does not have to be Asian-themed to have had the feng shui treatment, so.
1: And let's just not have Asian-themed rooms.
0: No, as as white, right? as white people, and especially as witches, I feel like we're very adjacent to, like, a certain element of weeb culture just by who we are as people and, like, probably who we were friends with growing up. Oh, um, yeah. And it's like, you know... Some of that stuff is cool. And I'm certainly guilty of having some stuff like that in my house. But a little bit goes a long way.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think it's when you get to the point of like that episode of Gilmore Girls where Rory can't go to fucking Asia for her backpacking trip with Logan. So Lorelai brings in things from all over the continent of Asia into the home and they end up like basically finding a way to somehow insult most Asian countries <laughs> in one 40-minute episode of television. That's a problem.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, you know, the Gilmore Girls didn't have a great track record with that, with uh, What's-Her-Name's-Mom uh, being uh, just uh, a big ol' stereotype.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, There's so many problems with that movie. Also, so much fat-shaming. Anyway, gilmore girls is another conversation oh my god
0: we should do an episode about gilmore girls yeah just talking about like
1: (laughs) lane kim and her mom and then how paris is the most underappreciated hero of our time
0: um yeah well all virgos are underappreciated and i would i will tell you without knowing for sure if she is canonically a virgo that paris geller is a fucking virgo
1: yeah yeah no i mean honestly i would fight
0: anyone who tried to argue it's like I don't even care if they say what her birthday is on the show.
1: Yeah, that's not the point. <laughs> uh,
0: Periskeeler is an August Virgo. Yes. So, so you heard it here first, folks. Uh, <laughs> but no,
1: <laughs> that's <so> canon now.
0: <laughs> that's canonical. Uh, so we're we're kind of we're getting way off track here. We're talking about Irish luck because again, you know, it's like people think of Irish stuff when they think of luck, and. There's the clovers I mean it's very ubiquitous it's a very strong magical representation of luck I mean even in like our modern definitions of what different herbs can do and represent like clover clovers for luck so that's still the case Yeah, I
1: remember being a kid, like, going through clover, because we had so much clover around my house growing up, Mm -hmm. and I was always so upset I could never find a four-leaf clover, so sometimes I would very gently tear one of the leaves in half and then be like, well, now it has four leaves, because child Shannon was always looking for the loophole because I'm a fucking Virgo.
0: Right, right, right. (laughs) Uh, But no, so kind of before I get into what I thought was a good idea to do some magic involving clovers, I because I, I do not want to hear it from you people. You know, I've been working hard. I'm tired. I don't have time to get in a fight with someone online, so I'm just going to say there are many, many species of trifolium out there that are not white clover, which can be an invasive species in certain parts of the world. Uh, the native range of these different species of clovers covers most of the world, excluding Australia and parts of Africa. So, the good news is, though, most of the little regional variations of clover, including, like, beech clover and purple clovers and red clovers and yellow clovers, are easily accessible, cheaply, as seeds. How nice is that? So this is going to be an accessible activity for almost everyone out there. And you do not have to worry about potentially doing harm and introducing an invasive species because we don't want y'all to do that, okay? Like, don't, you know, basically what I'm saying is buy something that's going to be a non-invasive species for your local area. And sorry for your, those of you in Australia, that's just not anywhere. Um, And plant those instead of white clover. Because your local pollinators will thank you. Um,
1: and you can eat it. Like there's so much like some like red clover is really great for your skin. So it's like if you're planting it yourself, you can do like great magic with it. And then it's also like a lot of variations of clover are super good for you too.
0: Right. And yeah, grow, grow some in your yard because actually I have heard that clover is better so much better for the planet as like a lawn covering.
1: Oh yeah, no, clover is great. And then also if you're somebody who plants a lot of fruits and veggies, you can use things like clover as a ground cover and that's gonna be great because it'll help you prevent like weeds from getting in and it'll also help you attract additional pollinators which will help with your like fruit and vegetable crops.
0: But here's what I'm saying. Going around with a bag of clover seeds and starting some clover patches on sad street corners is not only a great way to bring luck into the world vis-a-vis more four-leaf clovers for everyone, uh, but also sort of attracting some luck into your life. So I'm thinking, like, guerrilla gardening meets witchcraft uh, meets, you know, like a little bit of um, urban renewal, right? Because I think we've all seen like like sad street corners because people on the corner typically stop landscaping their yard there because it's you know like where the sidewalk is where the cars are turning and corner cor- yeah. corners can be sad little places.
1: I love that and and in addition to a bag of clover, this is I know this is an aside, but I promise it's relevant. I like listened to a really cool um, tutorial the other day on how to make your own seed bombs, and if you get like you know a pretty affordable like just regular clay and then cut it really thin you can actually like enclose a bunch of seeds like in the clay and as long as it's super thin you can just like kind of drop it in different places and then when moisture and stuff hits and the clay you know either melts away or if it's here and it dries it gets hot and it crumbles then it releases the seeds as well so it's kind of a fun like guerrilla gardening like hack
0: love that but yeah so i was saying you know go around Plant some clovers. Plant some little patches of clovers. Plant some clover in a bear patch in the park. You know. Because I, I personally feel like that would be a great way to attract luck. Also, the Fae love clovers. And I think the Fae love clovers because they help the, the bees and the butterflies and all the little critters that the Fae would be friends with. Uh, so that's, that's kind of my thing. And I'm like, while you're doing that, first of all, it's just a nice excuse to take a walk, do something nice for your neighborhood, but while you're doing it, think of some places in your areas in your life that you would want to be luckier. And that is a very simple luck spell while you're at it. So there you go. And the, uh, most expensive, like sort of, like, the most out there of the clover species I could find, which was the the beach clover. Which, I mean, if you live on the beach, I'm assuming you can afford it. But the seeds for that were, like, six bucks online. So this is really not, like, an expensive thing to do for a spell. And I, th- I just think would be nice. Um, so, with that being said... I also am, you know, while you're thinking about areas of your life that you would like to be luckier, I think it's kind of a good idea to think about, like, what we're talking about when we're talking about attracting luck into our life. So when we talk about manifesting things, manifesting specific things, that's different than what we're talking about here. Like, if you just want luck in general, that's what we're talking about. So, you know, you're not trying to manifest getting that new job, you're trying to manifest some luck. And then maybe, you know, if you're having a lucky day, you avoid getting splashed by a car on your walk to a job interview. Or, you know, the bird decides not to shit on your head. Or whatever embarrassing thing could happen on the way to that. You know, it's like the good luck is that, you're, you know... Or maybe, you know, if you're going to like a competition or something... What you're asking for here is good luck, so maybe the lucky thing is that you somehow stumble upon a free breakfast on your way to, like, a tennis competition. You know, it's like, the luck is not for the winning, you know, that's your your skills and, like, whatever you're doing. The luck is the the, the, the side stuff, the stuff that happens along the way, you know, it's like being there to, to be the best that you can be the right time like that's the just, luck
1: the way you said that just made me think about like and the real gift was the friends we made along the oh, way. oh
0: yeah, yeah yeah but you know it's like i feel like people maybe i i what i've read especially on like online witchcraft forums is that people really don't seem to have a grasp of like what trying to manifest more luck looks like
1: oh yeah no for sure i 100 agree it just made me giggle
0: um uh, <laughs> So you know that's that's kind of just something I wanted to throw in here, um, and it's like those are things that good luck can bring you. And it, I, I think it's not about asking for specific things; it's about asking for like the balance of the universe to be in your favor, and like tip you into those those wins and like that success and whatever. Well, that
1: and I feel like the other thing is because it's like when you're doing this kind of magic. It's like, you're also just opening yourself up to stuff that you don't know could happen.
0: Right. Yes. Because sometimes like missing the job interview and then you go to a coffee shop and meet your future spouse or something like that's luck, you know, like.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Luck is not, if you're trying to manifest something and, and like having a goal, that's all well and good. But yeah, I think it's, if there are things that are out there that the universe might have in store for you, but you don't even have it on your fucking radar.
0: Right. Luck, right. Magic right? It's good for that. Luck magic is good for that. And so, you know, it's one of those where it's like, you should not be too specific. Like if you're going around, if you're plant, you know, doing little clover bombs, these are the things you should think about. Not specific things. Uh, and be, you know, kind of that it's that gratitude thing we were talking about too is like, Knowing that there is, like, a larger plan to the universe and a larger balance, and that sometimes when bad things happen, it's actually lucky because it puts you on the right path to something better. And, like, that's hokey, and no one wants to hear that after, like, a breakup or not getting a job, but it's true. It's true, y'all. Like, trust it.
1: Well, I mean, I think my favorite story about that is like Lisa Kudrow got fired from Frasier. But if she hadn't been fired from Frasier, she would have never been on Friends.
0: Right, right, right. Like, <laughs> and, and I'm so, sure I'm sure yeah. she was so sad to get fired from Frasier, and that did not right? seem like good luck to her. Not so, at the time. <laughs> I think it's important to say here: sometimes if you're asking for good luck, bad. things, seemingly bad things happen
1: yeah you just have to trust the process
0: and it's like trusting the process so but kind of going back to clover i thought one of the nice things too and before i'm moving on about why you know it's like clover is a more nutritious food for grazers than regular grasses because you always see the neighborhood deer here in texas just like eating the, the St. Augustine grass, which is actually just like not, you know, it's like eating iceberg lettuce versus eating romaine. Like iceberg lettuce has like no nutrition and romaine is like marginally better for you. It's like actually got vitamins and shit in it, you know. Um, so, you know, it's like clover is like the romaine lettuce of things you could plant in your lawn. And I'm moving on. But, so, kind of, and I I did mention the thing about the fae, one of the things, too, is I feel like if you're planting clovers, you could specifically plant clovers for the fae. I feel like the tiny little flowers have heavy, like, fairy energy.
1: Oh, yeah, 100%. And
0: since that's something they would enjoy, the favor you can ask, because fairies have very much of a scratch my back, I'll scratch yours, kind of a vibe, you know, being the tricksters that they are, uh, would be to improve your luck. But keeping in mind, and especially with the Fae, you would want to be careful because I feel like they would think it's hilarious to have you in one of those situations where the luck is like losing your job. And, you know, like, you kind of being miserable about it, even though it's, like, the good luck thing, you know? So, like, especially if you're, like, asking for a lucky favor from the Fae, you know, just be warned. They're tricky. They're tricky little shit sometimes.
1: Yeah, with the Fae, it's like, I wouldn't just start working with the Fae by asking for something. So, you know. It's like proceed it's like, with caution. It's like,
0: grow your little clovers, leave out your little offerings. If you feel comfortable moving on from that, luck is a... But, you know, the Fae are heavily tied with luck and fortune in Irish mythology. Oh, yeah. totally. So it would be not, a not unheard of ask for them. And a lot of times they do that mean shit because people have not asked nicely enough or offered enough of an offering but if you've filled your neighborhood up with clovers and there's butterflies and bees everywhere you might be able to get a favor just yeah saying.
1: with the f- you get what you pay for you get the fay. you
0: get what you pay for nothing more nothing less and that's actually kind of the thing with luck you know that the universe does find a way to balance itself out and that's part of the stuff with fortuna that we'll be talking about later but it's like for every fortunate event there is an equal and opposite unfortunate event. Doesn't necessarily have to happen to the same person, but that's another thing. You know, you don't want to fuck with luck magic too much because there's always a price. There's always a price to pay.
1: Someone's always got to hold the bad luck bear,
0: right? Uh, and yeah, you don't. You don't want. You don't want to be caught with the bad luck bear. No, yeah, no, no.
1: Magician's reference for anyone who hasn't watched the show
0: no uh but so kind of talking about working with clovers a little bit more um another spell that i wanted to throw out there involving clovers specifically four-leaf clovers so scientifically and this is from wikipedia and it did have a citation to an actual study okay one in every five thousand clovers is a 4 leaf clover which is about twice as many as the popular folk estimate of 1 in 10,000. So actually not terrible odds. And another side note here about how easy it would be to find a four-leaf clover, the record for the most four-leaf clovers found in an hour is 166. So if you got really good at it, you could find 160 plus four-leaf clovers in an hour. Uh, So trying to find one... Not asking for too, too much, I don't think. And it's kind of like finding that fallen stick in the sun, which you had from one of your um, herbal uh, divination deck. Like like finding the fallen stick in the sun. Part of the effort of this spell is going out and finding a four-leaf clover, which, you know, children are very impatient. But as an adult, you actually would be surprised how easy it is to find one if you find... A big enough patch. So, anyway, the spell part is also part of preserving the four leaf clover because a popular way to preserve a four leaf clover is to use, like, to use later on as like a lucky charm that you carry with you, or you know, encase in uh, resin to make a little piece of four leaf clover jewelry, whatever your plan is pressing it between the pages of a book and drying it out like people would do with small flowers or cool leaves or you know as a kid I did it to fucking all kinds of shit I even had a flower press as a kid do you ever see one of those um
1: I did and I'm also super jealous because I never had one but I always wanted one
0: um well I had one and I broke it because I tried to put too much stuff in it and um it was cheaply made so don't be too jealous (laughs)
1: <laughs> I mean, uh, that sounds like such a kid thing, though.
0: Because I, I think I bought it at the book fair.
1: <gasps> oh, my God, the book fair.
0: Yeah, the Scholastic book fair. Uh, but anywho, so I was kind of thinking, like, what is a popular thing to do with four-leaf clovers? And that's to dry them out between the pages of a book to use as a lucky charm. And so I was thinking you should really be selective about what book you're using to dry your because any old book will dry out a four-leaf clover they're small so it doesn't have to be like war and peace you know like if it was a flower yes because you want to flatten it out a little bit four-leaf clover is already pretty flat the main thing is keeping it flat while it dries out so a smaller book will be fine so what i was thinking of proposing here is that instead of choosing just any old book Choosing a book that relates to an area of your life you'd like to have luck in.
1: Oh, I love that.
0: So I I feel like if I'm reading the room correctly, quite a few of our listeners like gardening. So if you were looking for a luck boost, making a four-leaf clover to keep, pressing it in a gardening book, y'all. Now it's your lucky four-leaf clover for gardening.
1: Oh my god, that's so cute.
0: And so I, was, I love it. You know, and I was thinking, like, if you're trying to boost your luck in your love life, which I will be talking about a little bit later on in our questionable witchy practices section, um, pressing your clovers in a romance book. Uh, I I personally really like this because it's combining two things I love: witchcraft and books. So it's a good thing, as Martha would say. Uh and Irish folklore, I think, isn't the only place that I think modern witches could be looking for ideas for luck magic. And that led me down the rabbit hole to the Italian peninsula, uh, for this segment and talking about the cult of Fortuna or Fortuna. Uh, so like Tyche, Fortuna was a goddess of, well, fortune, uh, And one of the reasons I want to talk a little bit about her today in the same episode is because, first of all, she was the Romanized version of Taiki. And there's, as Shannon says, kind of a bit more of a boring backstory. So there's not as much pizzazz with Fortuna. But one of the reasons I think working with her makes a certain logical sense is because Fortuna... Unlike Tyche, who was kind of like a municipal luck goddess, like luck for the city, Fortuna was like a lot of people's home goddess. So luck for your home specifically. And I'm thinking this would be good for people's home altars. Just kind of to call out what I feel is like the main difference between their, their public personas is that Fortuna was very popular at people's home altars, by the way. So already a very long and storied history in Italy of making offerings to Fortuna in your home. So many witches have very lovely home altars. So I feel like it's a good fit.
1: No, I would agree. I think that's... That's a great call. The problem I have is anytime I hear Fortuna, I keep getting that choir song stuck in my head. Oh my
0: God, no! Like, I t-
1: oh, Fortuna, luna, Oh my <laughs> God. No curat. I don't. I. I'm not singing it in the soprano because I'm on the podcast with you. But <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I've just been singing that in my head for the last like two minutes.
0: No, I. I, I honestly, I did listen to it on Spotify like while I was writing Good. this.
1: I would have been really sad for you if you hadn't.
0: Um so I I've I've already heard that song today and it's stuck in my head too and it's like what is what a dramatic song.
1: It's so fucking epic. I'm so glad that I got to do it so many times in choir because for some reason that one kept coming up on like the state list of songs when I was in high school.
0: Oh yeah. And it's so spooky sounding.
1: It is. It's very spooky.
0: But okay, we are really rabbit trailing today. Uh, But okay, so traditionally, Fortuna's cult holiday was the 24th of June, which is kind of around midsummer for those who celebrate. Uh, She was also, surprisingly enough, and this this is what I thought was interesting about Fortuna as well, she was a popular export goddess. So you know, the Romans kind of took over the world at the point of the sword and had their empire... That stretched all the way up to Scotland and Ireland, right? But the people there were not super jazzed to be worshipping, like, Jupiter and fucking all these other Roman gods, but they liked Fortuna, Uh, and they kind of did it of their own volition. It's one of those weird things. It's like Roman gods and goddesses were typically not adopted willingly and Fortuna was very big with the people in the the UK Scotland Wales uh not Ireland but you know they have their own luck shit in Ireland um and I so another thing I think is really cool about Fortuna is she was originally a fertility goddess for farmers only uh and I think that's very much kind of like the vibe of our our podcast base is like people who really like to grow plants. Fortuna was originally a goddess only for farmers. Uh, so, and then they combined aspects of Taiki with this fertility, because I mean, it was a fertility goddess, but they also kind of made it about luck a little bit in those earlier days because she you know the the seasons droughts famines that kind of thing seemingly depended on luck you know they didn't understand really the big cycles of weather that they were living through they were like it's very unlucky that we didn't get enough rain this year and now we're all gonna starve to death uh but that's neither here nor there i think i think Fortuna is really cool, and so for you guys at home who might want to do some altar work and consider Fortuna as a household goddess, her symbols were the wheel of fortune, the rudder of a ship, a blindfold. So, like, not unlike another famous lady, Lady Luck, Lady Justice, uh, and a cornucopia. Uh, so, for all you witches out there in 2021 who were like, okay, but what do I do with any of that information? to improve my luck. So I feel like if you would like to make offerings to Fortuna or Taiki, I would recommend buying a tasteful arrangement of wax fruit for your altar, for your cornucopia. Um, because honestly, I feel like I see people doing fresh fruit on their altar. First of all, I feel like that's a waste of perfectly good fruit uh, that you could eat. And I, Okay, this is going to be one of those things. where It's like I always hated those, like, granny knickknacks where it's like the bowl of fake fruit because it never really made sense to me as something to, like, have out on a dining table. But if you, as a symbolic offering to Fortuna to have on your altar, as your cornucopia, some of that wax fruit looks really nice for that. Like, I was kind of looking through... I've seen some vintage ones. I've seen some like blown glass fake fruit in like a cornucopia arrangement. There's, there's nice stuff out there. So it's, you know, it doesn't have to be your, your grandma's plastic fruit or like, you know, like the fake bowl of fruit from uh, arrested development, like, you know, your, your home fill uh, fake fruit arrangement. Um, But yeah, I think the cornucopia is kind of the easiest thing to put out on your altar because I mean where do you get the rudder of a ship? That's my that's... I mean,
1: speak for yourself. I definitely have many ship rudders lying <laughs> <Nice>. about. <laughs> uh I
0: but you know, I, I mean I I like the I also was thinking, uh, if you were wanting to build like a personal relationship with Fortuna, playing cards or like a stack of poker chips. Because unsurprisingly, <laughs> Lady Luck has a huge association with gambling people. <laughs> Think it through, think it through. You'll get there. Uh, so, games of chance, dice would be nice too. Is is hey, kind don't of steal
1: my thing? Dice or Tykes thing.
0: <laughs> I I get that. I get that. I mean, like, I mean, we all know that the Romans basically ripped off the Greek pantheon, Romanized it a bit, replaced their gods with Greek gods, or hybridized them, or whatever. So you know, I I, I mean, I
1: forgive you, but like.
0: Well, you don't have to forgive me. You have to, you have to for forgive the uh, Vesuvians for being so into Never. Fortuna. Never. I mean, they had it com- will- They had it coming.
1: Huh? <laughs> oh my god. <gasps> well, on that
0: note. <laughs> but no, uh, I, I, and I feel like if you are putting offerings out to Fortuna and or Tyche, I think the Wheel of Fortune card from your spell casting tarot deck. Y'all y'all remember how I keep telling y'all to get one, right? Like not your nice tarot deck because you might spill or get candle wax on it or whatever while you're doing spell work. Uh a little spell casting deck. Put out the Wheel of Fortune. Uh that's that's what we're going to use for the Wheel of Fortune to have your little Fortuna area on your altar. Uh and speaking of tarot, this is how This is what I think would be the most wise way to go about having, like, a personal relationship with Fortuna or Taiki. And this is what people would do back in the day. So this is kind of like the traditional thing. So they say that Fortuna is blind. That's the blindfold, right? And good things are going to happen and bad things are going to happen. And, you know, it doesn't matter if you're the king or the lowest peasant, because when fortune decides to favor you, it's time, right? So, but she's a little fickle. That's why we're making offerings to her, first of all. But you're not just making offerings to her to improve the luck of yourself and your house where your altar is. A traditional thing to ask for from Fortuna is to know when you are going to be lucky. So, with that in mind, if you are having offerings out to Fortuna for this reason, charging your tarot deck, perhaps with the Wheel of Fortune facing up, in the part of your altar where you have your Fortuna set up, and then doing a tarot reading to try to figure out when your lucky and unlucky times are going to be because you can maybe avoid bad luck or put yourself in the path of good luck by knowing when is the right time so it's like a it's very much like a divination thing with Fortuna because she's gonna do what she's gonna do and, like, really fuck you for trying to ask for a favor from a goddess. But the the knowledge of when is something that you can get out of it. So with that in mind, an interesting thing to finish here, uh, the magical luck section, is Fortuna Worship is supposedly the first recorded incidents in the Western world of what we would call manifestation. So I think that's a very cool thing that's been brought into the world that we still do today. And, you know, it's, it's like the, uh, the vision board of 300 BC is like your little, your little Fortuna altar. So
1: it's their, their Pinterest.
0: Right. Um, And then, you know, kind of moving on, I did mention that we had a QWP based on being lucky in love, right? So I think it's really important to reiterate a point that we have made before. Doing magic to bring luck, we're aware that people might be compelled to go out, do some research, and try a few luck spells for themselves. And while on that journey, you might come across one of the few billion or so posts featuring or mentioning how to be lucky in love and romantic situations. And while that is kosher, we cannot stress enough that you do not try to do witchcraft, trying to make a specific person develop romantic feelings for you. It will absolutely backfire unpre- and have unpredictable consequences. And, you know, all that stuff that we're always saying about consent being a key tenant of any good practice. So do not fuck with love magic y'all unless you are doing it the right way and that's really all i had to say
1: nice nice well i am laughing because when we first started this i was like man i've had a shit day this is gonna be a short episode because i'm not gonna feel into it and here we are almost an hour in but i'm talking about one of my like favorite summer herbs, I said, and this was definitely one of those like, how on earth have we not already covered this moments for me when I was looking at the calendar. Um, So I'm talking about basil, uh, because it is one of my favorite things to grow as well. And honestly, it's probably the best performing herb in my garden, surprisingly, because I know some people struggle with it. But for me, my basil is the one that like, goes off and is very well behaved. I have um, Genovese basil in like my bigger herb box and it's pretty large. And then most recently I planted some holy basil from seed and it's starting to sprout and it's really cute. So let's get into it. Basil is a member of the Lamiaceae family. So here's another lovely like minty babe. It's native to tropical regions from Central Africa to Southeast Asia. And you can actually find these like deliciously tender leaves and cuisines from all over the world. And there are a lot of varieties of basil, as well as several related species or hybrids that are also called basil, which happens a lot with uh, culinary herbs in particular. The type that you're probably most familiar with and you'll most commonly see used for flavor is um, sweet basil or genovese basil. But you'll also more and more, I think, find Thai basil, lemon basil, and of course, holy basil. While um, most common varieties of basil are treated as annuals, some are perennial in warm tropical climates, and the term basil comes from the Latin basilis, meaning royal kingly plant, possibly because the plant was believed to have been used in production of royal perfumes, and the Latin name has, at least to me hilariously, been confused with basilisk because it was supposed to be an antidote to the basilisk's venom, but I wouldn't test that um it can grow to be between 1 and 4 feet tall and it has really beautiful like opposite leaves that are super tender and silky green It's just a delicious plant. It's sensitive to cold. So if you do live somewhere that has any frost, you're likely going to have to grow it as an annual, unless you're growing it indoors, which you can do year round. But if you like me or Nick are in a hot, warm climate, you're in luck. Uh, Most years in Texas, Nick would have been fine, except for a snowpocalypse. Um, But if you're in a warmer climate, you can keep it growing and producing like year after year for a couple of years. My stepfather. God, many years back actually had a basil plant that got so intense it like broke through the bottom of the pot and then kind of like started growing almost tree-like. It was really intense. It was, it was an intense shrubby boy. So basil, like a lot of herbs, does need at least six hours of direct sunlight. So if you're going to grow it indoors, you are going to have to make room on your south-facing windowsill or like I said before, just grab a grow light. There are so many good ones. If you're going from seed, you can definitely start it indoors and then move it outside once the threat of frost has passed. And its seeds don't have any special requirements. In my experience, it is easy enough to start this way. And one cool idea is if you do want to grow some basil and you're planting it a little early, maybe over-sow, because you don't have to transplant everything. You can actually harvest some of the microgreens, like some of the little baby basil. You can take some of the extra as microgreens and also use it while you're cooking
0: and yum. That sounds so delightful like eating tiny little basil sprouts.
1: I know it's so good because it it does have that basil flavor but it's definitely a bit milder so I love it. I love microgreens. That's like I think that's going to be my new obsession. For a while. (laughs) Um, But I think most people are probably going to buy it from start, which is totally fine. And it's what I did this year with my sweet basil because I also am not always a patient person and I wanted something immediately. So, growing from start is really easy. You can find them usually in like early spring into early summer at most like good nurseries. Surprising to no one, it likes a rich, well draining soil. And it's also a super communicative herb, which I really like. So if it needs a bit of water, you'll actually see it starting to wilt. Um, But as soon as you water it, it perks right back up. So just like don't panic. If you like see your basil starting to wilt, it's fine. Just give it a drink and it'll be okay. But on that note, I wanted to like take a little bit of a detour because if you're someone like me who grows herbs and other edibles outdoors, you might have noticed that some plants will look wilted midday, even if you just watered them that morning. So of course, if that happens, check your soil to make sure that it hasn't just totally dried out. But if it hasn't, this is actually a cool way that some plants have adapted to intense light exposure. And so by wilting, it actually decreases the amount of surface area that's exposed to the light. And so if that's what's happening, then when you check back in the evening, it'll have perked right back up. So just like fun weird plant things. So it's, it is susceptible to some issues. I mean, mine has been pretty well behaved, but downy mildew seems to be one that people run across. I haven't had much trouble with it on my basil though, which is saying something because I have had downy mildew on like my tomatoes. So it's not like I haven't had it around. In my experience, most people that um, struggle with basil uh, are really dealing with issues of it not getting enough light or it just being too cold. Like, this is a plant that really likes it warm. It's always going to look better in the summer. But if you're somewhere where it gets cold, like, you're just not going to be able to have good basil in the fall if you're getting those chilly nights. And like, you have to deal with that because you get to have real fall. So just let us in these fucking climates enjoy our year-round basil because we don't get seasons. So you win some, you lose some. Yeah,
0: you know, it's like you don't have (laughs) that beautiful fall color change. You don't get to, uh, you know, curl up in the snow with a hot chocolate. Let the Californians have this,
1: okay? Right. It's like the, the one thing we get is being able to grow year round because literally we don't have other seasons and it always makes me sad. But basil is really delicious and you know, I think that the most important thing you can do to keep it going for yourself over the summer is just like pinching off flowers. So once once most plants bolt, it can, and when I say bolt, I mean like go to flower. Uh, when that happens, often you'll find that like the leaves of the herb start getting more bitter. And so by pinching off the flowers so they don't completely come in, you're really helping prolong like the deliciousness of the plant. Uh, and for me, I've been having to do that like twice a week at this point in the summer. So you really do have to like stay on top of it.
0: She really wants to flower.
1: She does. She's ready. And I, I wonder if part of it is because like my catnip next to her has. And so she's like, but I want flowers. <laughs> and I'm like, but I'm fine with catnip flowering because I have so much catnip.
0: <laughs> so here, so here is, here is my question. Are basil flowers edible?
1: Yeah, yeah. You can eat them. I mean, they're fine. They're they're tiny. So it's like, yeah. I mean, technically you could, but I'm for ju- flavor-wise, you'll be better off if you're able to keep on top of pinching.
0: I, I'm just thinking, you know, if you did have a little flower shooting up and you pinched it off, would it maybe look delightful on top of a caprese salad?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally, totally. I love that. Now I do really want caprese. So of course it's delicious, like we've just been talking about. I feel like so much food. Um, (laughs) But it really does have some cool medicinal benefits. Like it's been a staple in Ayurvedic medicine and traditional Chinese medicine for a long time. Um, Of course, given that it's in the mint family, I assume most people might have guessed already that it's good for digestive health. It is a carminative herb, which just means it's like a warming digestive aid, which is why it's such an awesome addition to heavier meals, because it does help like jumpstart your uh, digestion (laughs) and keep your gut in check. So it's why it's great on things like pizza that are maybe like carb heavy or have like dairy, or if you're making like some really spicy Indian food, like some good basil in there is always like a nice cooling countering. Um, it's also a mood lifter though, which I think is super interesting and it makes sense, right? Like that, the aromatic smell of it is just so good for the mood. So like you people that have winters, right? Imagine you have it growing indoors under a grow light, right? And you've got some of those like seasonal blues because maybe it's been cloudy for a while. And then you go and just like snap off a few leaves and get to like, enjoy that sweet, sweet summery smell. Like,
0: It's like a a little, it's like a little summer, like a little, just a kiss of summer.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And like so many other medicinal herbs, basil also has some cool anti-inflammatory effects. So, you know, definitely add more of it to your diet. It'll help support your overall wellness. Um, But yeah, basil, I feel like is pretty straightforward to grow. It's really yummy. But let's talk about magic. So based on a kind of theme today, you might have guessed that, uh, Basil can also be associated with luck. It is associated with the signs Aries and Scorpio, the planet Mars, the elements fire and water, and the heart chakra. So in addition to luck, you can also use it in things like in work related to wealth, success, beauty, love, protection, happiness, And I think this is a really great herb for like new witches or maybe witches that are in the broom closet too, because you can just buy a fuck ton of basil in a really low key way because people are just going to assume you're making pesto. So stock up on it. It's good for so much stuff. And you can buy a bunch without getting a side eye at your like tiny hole in the town grocery store. They do also say that basil is good at attracting money. So you can incorporate it into any money attraction spells or You know, my classic fave grow it near your front door to invite good fortune. There's a reason my herb planter is like on my front porch and I have herbs like lining the entryway to get to my porch. Um, On the other side of this, though, I think interestingly, basil is also associated in a lot of cultures with like death and burial and initiation. So In the ancient Mediterranean region, basil was known as an herb of mourning, and they think it might have been used in embalming. It also may have been used in death rites to banish the spirit from the present, which protects the living and also helps the departed transition. And so with that association with removing what no longer serves, it is, again, like I said, it's traditionally an herb of initiation. So it can be consumed by initiates as they learn the mysteries of whatever school or group they're joining and it's great for that because it not only banishes the ignorant former self, but also calms the mind while releasing like our fire and helping you become receptive to the new information. So you can totally use basil and banishing magics. I saw a really cool recommendation to create like a potion of basil, blackberries, and vinegar. And then you soak strips of parchment in the banishing potion and place the strip near whatever you want gone. And if that's not possible, you can write the words associated with what you're banishing on a card and bind it to the parchment paper before either burning it or removing it in some manner, like maybe sacrificing it to Hecate at a crossroads. There are plenty of options there. Um, but I think that that duality between like the death and burial and also like love and protection is very much a theme when you're looking at things that are associated with fortune, right? Like there's a reason they say there's two sides to every coin. And so I think basil is an interesting herb because we really do see that reflected in different cultural perceptions of it. So today I used Wikipedia, commonwealthherbs.com, my garden, Green Witchcraft by Paige Vanderbeck, and Entering Hecate's Garden by Cindy Brannon
0: love it love it but I feel like I, I just kind of wanted to add with the uh, the whole like life and death thing with basil too it's like it's very much in how you would actually just use it as a kitchen herb too for all you know for all the kitchen witches out there and that you were constantly plucking leaves from it so that more leaves can grow
1: yeah it's yeah, like, it's very regenerative.
0: It's it's so it's really got that like regeneration, Scorpio. I, I I that's why I'm like feeling that Scorpio energy of like death and rebirth all in one plant. Yeah. Very sexy. Oh, yeah. Very sexy.
1: And it smells sexy. I love basil. It really is like one of my favorite things to grow. When I post the episode, I'll have to include a picture of like the basil corner in my herb garden cuz I've got I've got one of those like raised cedar like herb garden containers Mm -hmm. and I've had mixed luck with stuff in it I'm still trying to figure out what plays well together when it's all planted like that but my basil has just like hung out in the corner fucking rocking it the whole time so basil loves that setup but now we're going to talk about the dueling deities right we're talking about a goddess of fortune enter our darling friend tyke so Hesiod wrote that Tyche was an Oceanid, one of the thousands of daughters born to Oceanus and Tethys, which makes her um, the daughter of Titans. And it would also make her a goddess of water with the way that lineage works. And you will often also see her classified as um, Nephili. So, you know, there's just a little bit of background on her origins. Sometimes you'll see her... Listed as like a daughter of Zeus plus question mark woman, but Hesiod's depiction of her is like the earliest writings that we have. So that tends to be the one that I would lean towards. So when you see Tyche, you'll often see her shown like winged, wearing a crown, bearing a scepter and a cornucopia, but she also appears blindfolded and with various devices signifying uncertainty and risk. And the thing that I really do like about Tyche. Is that she very strongly represents both good luck and bad luck because the Romanized Fortuna really tends to be focused more on the good stuff in you know the worship and the veneration of her and the different stories. Um, at least that's what I had kind of seen in my reading, Nick. I don't know if you have no, 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 a no, no. It's like it's, it's
0: very much like Fortuna again as like a household goddess was very much asked for the good things and like yeah. not really you know it's like what you're talking about here is very much showing both sides of the coin but as far as like the day-to-day worship that people were doing of Fortuna you're, you're really on the money it's like people were not asking her uh for protection I mean it's like they were asking for protection from bad luck in a way but they were really mainly just asking for good luck
1: yeah yeah so I do, I like that a lot about Taiki personally. Um, and she is often also found in the company of Nemesis, the goddess of retribution, which side note, like, Nick, we do need to cover Nemesis. Oh,
0: I I am on that. Like, we're talking about Scorpio energy. I'm um, like, right? revenge?
1: Hell yeah. Goddess of retribution. And the idea here is that like the two goddesses like balanced each other out, right? So like Taiki is all about like, basically kind of directing human fortune in like various directions. And like nemesis is all about retribution and punishment. So, you know, they're, they're definitely a mixed bag together for sure. There's a really interesting story about the two of them and Zeus, where I think it's nemesis, uh, like doesn't want to fuck Zeus. So she turns into a duck and then Zeus does the thing where he's like, fuck you. I'm a swan. like, We'll have to cover that. Anyway, fucking Zeus turning into a swan. There are also multiple instances where that happens. And I have a lot of follow up questions, but we'll have to talk about that (laughs) another time. Um, (laughs) Sometimes you'll also see Taiki, though, referred to as Eutychia with just an EU in front of it. And that's the name she's given when the fortune is good. But it's pretty much assumed by everyone that that is still just Taiki, like that's not a separate deity. It's just kind of like Uh, almost like a nickname (laughs) given to Tyche when the fortune's good and again this I think can be kind of an interesting comparison to the Roman reading where Eutychia is actually equated with Felicitas who's recognized as a separate deity to Fortuna so it's I'm sometimes just find it interesting the way that the Romans kind of like took some stuff pretty like straight copied and some of it It feels almost like there's like a weird translation thing that happens. (laughs) Um, Tyche is also one of Persephone's companions, though, and she's said to have picked flowers with her, but clearly Tyche wasn't there the day that Hades kidnapped Persephone because everyone else that was with Persephone that day was uh, turned into a siren, so bullet dodge there. Tyche appears in several of Aesop's fables, and my favorite, Nick, speaking of farmers and harvests, is The Tale of Fortune and the Farmer. So basically in this story, a farmer like has a great harvest and he honors Gaia, but not Tyche. And Tyche very fairly comes into this story to point out like, hey, bitch, you didn't honor me along with Gaia, but I promise you, you'll be cursing me if you have a bad year and not cursing Gaia. So a good tale and a reminder for kids to be grateful when they're fortunate. Um, And Hesiod's Theogony, we do see her depicted as like, the ruler of human affairs and in that case nick she's portrayed with a rudder wouldn't you know it
0: oh yeah because she's driving the ship she's that's right she's the captain now
1: she's the captain now um you'll also sometimes see her depicted on a ball which i think is really interesting because that's alluding to the fact that fortune can kind of roll any which way And she was portrayed on coins in several cities during the Hellenistic period. And she was considered a patron deity. And like Nick mentioned, in particular with like cities. And she, although she is still considered a minor goddess by most accounts and not even on the God level by others, she did have temples in her honor, the most prevalent being in Thebes and Athens. And sometimes you'll see the constellation Virgo, attributed to Tyche, although more often you'll see it attributed to Demeter. Um, But among her monuments was a temple at Argos, which is where the legendary Palmedes is said to have dedicated to her the first set of dice he invented, which I think is really fascinating. So I, I love Tyche. I thought she was an interesting one to cover because there's actually not a lot of information out there about her. Compared to some gods and goddesses, which once in a while, I feel like Nick and I will run into these deities where we're just like, wait, that's all. Um, (laughs) And she is very much one of those. But I do like the fact that, like, she's a really interesting goddess and quite easy to work with in your daily practice. So one of the coolest ways, uh, either on your altar or another sacred space, to honor her with dice. And I would give bonus points here for fuzzy dice. I would also say you should acknowledge her if you do want to work with Pikey, I would acknowledge her just as much, if not more when you're having good luck already. So instead of her being a deity that you just constantly go to asking for good luck, you really would need to be aware of like honoring her and showing gratitude when you are blessed with good luck, because we all know from that Aesop's fable, she's not going to be fucking pleased if you only curse her when you have bad luck. Um, Since basil can symbolize luck, you could also dedicate a plant to her or maybe leave offerings of basil or basil-scented things on your altar. And of course, with any luck work you're doing, you can consider asking her for a blessing. But again, if you're going to do that, I would absolutely follow up with a lot of gratitude when good things happen. Um, So my sources today were The Last God Standing Podcast, uh, GreekMyths-GreekMythology.com, and Britannica. Dot com.
0: Wow. No, I no, I I do think it's funny how like they really just ripped off Tyke to to do Fortuna.
1: Yeah, but like, but then also didn't keep really any of the bad shit with Tyke because like in Greek culture, it's like if someone was born or if like someone was having good luck their entire life, they would say like Tyke must have blessed you when you were born. But if someone had, like, shit luck their entire life, they'd also say, well, Tyche must have cursed you when you were born. So it was, like, very much, like, the negative was just as often attributed. And I I don't know. I find that really interesting. But, again, the whole translation from, like, Greek to Roman mythology is very fascinating. Because I think Fortuna is, like, Jupiter's kid, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, a no, different
1: like lineage.
0: Different lineage, very much so. And also, you know, it's I think what we should do is after this episode the weekend that this episode comes out, we should put a poll on the Instagram story.
1: Ooh. I'll let you do that. I'll let you be the pole master.
0: Oh, yes. Yes. I love Which lo- sounds
1: super sexy now that I'm saying it. Um,
0: yeah, that I'm going to get an embroidered jacket that says pole master now. <laughs> um
1: There's no way that can be misinterpreted. No,
0: absolutely not. But no, uh, yeah, we're going to we're going to we're going to go head to head. Taiki versus Fortuna. Let's see. I love that. Let's see who see what people think.
1: So we are getting close to the bitter end, but that means it's time for a tarot scope. And I'm going back to my good old traditional tarot deck today. Well, not, you know, it's not like the Rider Waite Smith, but my tarot deck, not our Oracle deck with all the sweet herbs and veggies. So today's message is for our Gemini friends out there. So for you today, I have drawn the Magician Reversed. So this is a spicy card, guys, and it can have a few different readings. So I'm going to start from like the least shitty reading to the maybe more shitty reading. So the first is that it could signal that you're exploring what you want to bring into this world, like what you want to manifest, speaking of all this manifestation. But you haven't taken action yet because you're not sure if you have everything you need or you don't know what to do next. And if that's the case, it's like a shut up and listen moment to the universe because she's always leaving us breadcrumbs. Or maybe do a bit of a luck spell to, you know, make it a little bit easier for you to maybe stumble upon whatever it is that is supposed to be your next, you know, your next move. But at its worst, this card can indicate that you've lost touch with your higher self. So maybe suggesting that you're acting out of greed, you're being like power grabby, maybe you're stepping on other people to get to the top. And it doesn't necessarily always have to be intentional. This is something that can totally creep up on you without you being aware of it. But it's important to like take a step back, look at your actions and your behaviors, and just get in alignment again with your higher self or your higher being. So that's sort of, I think, the more sharp-edged side of this card. But yeah, so that's that's the card for you today, my Gemini babies.
0: Well, you know, I think it's it's sound advice. I think it's sound uh, advice regardless, you know, to take a step back and like, look, you know, it's like that reading we did recently. I think that one was for Sagittarius, uh, but it was about what are your values?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Or maybe that one was for anywho. it was like, what are your values? You know, everyone can use that advice. So, yeah. But yeah, you guys. So if y'all liked this i'm just i'm just gonna throw some you know some ideas out there like give us a like give us a follow leave us a review i actually i think i finally got my friend callie to leave us a review because she's been listening for a minute and i was like it doesn't have to be complicated but if you like what you're hearing it's always good to say so so
1: yeah just like tell us about it um rate, review, subscribe. You can always reach us at Pod on Instagram or wandsandfrondspod at gmail.com. PSA for people that might be in Los Angeles County. There's been a recent outbreak of uh, leptospirosis, which is like lepto is basically a, a bacterial infection associated with like water contamination that can be spread from dog to dog and it can be fatal for your dogs. So Look into that and maybe get them vaccinated.
0: Wow, that's actually really scary. Um, e- so, yeah did you did yeah. you get did you get Willow shot for it?
1: Uh, no, I just got an email from my vet while we were were recording. So I don't know if we have other listeners in LA County area or Southern California, but if we do. Just like talk to your vet about it because it is a scary thing. I know they had had a they had had some of that I think happen in like Austin right at Lady Bird Lake not too long ago. Oh
0: yeah, no, because people were people's dogs were dying from it. Absolutely. Yeah. No, so they were saying like, do not let your dog go into the water. And I mean, yeah. in Austin, that's like everyone with a dog is out at the lake with their dog. Like that's a big deal here. So definitely, yeah, de- definitely don't want people's dogs dying. That would be very, that would be very unlucky.
1: That'd be very unlucky. And so, yeah, we love hearing from you guys on Instagram. Send us an email. If you guys have stuff you want us to cover, let us know. I mean, Nick and I are working on coming up with good episode topics for you guys, but like, if you have a topic you want us to cover, let us know because man, we'll fucking bump you to the front of the line. Don't you worry. oh,
0: Oh hell yeah. No, literally. And I, we do have some exciting stuff coming up. I think, Um, We're working on getting that interview, which I'm keeping under wraps. I think we should keep it under wraps, but I think we should have. I agree. I think we should tease people a little bit and say that we have a really cool interview coming up.
1: Y'all, it is going to be both dope and fresh.
0: So we got a really cool interview coming up with a really cool witch, and I'm pretty excited. She's like, witch goals. For, um, I think everyone my! Um, well she's you know she's goals for a lot of things but
1: that's true it's like I want to be her when I grow up even though she's not that much older <laughs> <laughs> but but no
0: you guys we do have some cool stuff coming up for you and I think to all of the lucky bitches out there
1: what do we all say of you lucky bitches we say blessed be you lucky lucky bitches we love you goodbye
0: we love you lucky bitches bye now Um, yeah, well, all Virgos are underappreciated, and I would, I will tell you without knowing for sure if she is canonically a Virgo that Paris Geller is a fucking Virgo.